Fourteen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two eighty three of Four and Forty Going On Fourteen. And I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And it was Anaconda Malt Liquor that gave me my woo <laughs> and a tiny penis. Aw, that's Aww. the joke. It's not a joke. That's terrifying. It was a joke, and then you made it personal, Joel. Jesus. Yeah. Am I the only one that actually finished that movie? Yeah, I finished that movie. I, I, okay. that. I was going to say. Kind of a major plot point. Yeah. So, this week, we're going to be... We're doing... I'm going to get you, sucker. <laughs> Patrick, you're such an asshole. The, the, the show theme isn't I'm going to get you, sucker, versus Black Dynamite. It's I'm going to get you, chump, versus African-American nitroglycerin. And I almost read that, even though I just did. Anyway, I'm gonna get I you. It, sucker. it is funny. Uh, I wasn't I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I'm gonna get you, sucker versus Black Dynamite. Uh, par- niche of a niche. It's parody of black exploitation films. If you like niches, <laughs> <laughs> niches get bitches. <laughs> <laughs> you might like the shows on the Podcast Collective, such as Joel's own The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour. Yay. The K is silent. The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy. The Portland Beer Club Podcast. And, of course, the Red Dead Radio Hour. I just once again remind, want to remind everybody, that used to be my little, just, wah, 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 and it was done. Mm. That's where that started. If only we could return to simpler times. I've appropriated it. You have, you have beaten it and pulverized it. Take that joke and kill it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoot, Podverse FM, Noon FM, Podchaser, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We are all over the freaking place. Like Pat says, if you can't find us, you're probably not on the internet. <laughs> With or without Scott. If you can't find us, you need to use a different AOL disk. Yeah. <laughs> you need to buy some more minutes. God. We're on disk two. <laughs> so 708 now wrap, 708-669-9727 if you want to call and give us a show suggestion or critique. Cameron DS2. Yeah. We're ready. <laughs> Cameron Diaz, or <laughs> why, why that struck me funny? I don't know either. That wasn't that good. <laughs> oh yeah. So, uh, got any listener feedback? Any feedback at all? No, I. Thought it's been all quiet on the do, Western Front. Do we have any listeners? I, I think we do. I'm, I'm sure I know we do. snapped them all. Oh uh, yeah. That would be about my luck. He goes for half the universe, and every single one of them that goes is our listeners. That might be intentional. That's how I run. Uh, I'd be offended. You would be offended? Yeah. He doesn't like our show. Thanos? Thanos. (laughs) All right, it's about that time. I think so. This week in music. Movies and TV. 
and fart. You can take over that path. <laughs> yeah, hey, right. hey, we should have tryouts. Joel, do your do your end sports. And sports. No, Pat. And sports. Yeah, you're out, Joel. Sports! <laughs> <laughs> That's the emotion we're looking for. Despair and despondency. <laughs> All right. So, February 23rd, 1989, the release of I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, which is abbreviated Iggy's. I'm gonna start referring to it as Iggy's. 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 February 23rd, 1989. Music. Take it, Joel. All right. The number one song in the land was Straight Up by Paula Abdul. It's a good song. Yeah, it's it's okay. Yeah, nothing great. It's there. What do you care? You're despondent. It's it's a little more than there, but not that much. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, it's it's not going to be looked upon like... I don't know, Winchester Cathedral, but... <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's no cold heart. It's stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's Trade not up. how that song goes. <laughs> <laughs> it, in another universe, it might go like that. I don't know. I Last week, we kept trying to do the theme song, and we just kept doing uh, Vehicle. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Ah. <laughs> so. uh. So on February 17th, White Snake lead singer, frontman, and founder David Coverdale, wed actress and 80s model actress Tawny Katane. Yeah. I mean, the face of the crazy hot continuum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah she'll, she'll, she'll burn your house down and stab you. Yeah, well well into that area of the danger zone there <laughs> on, on both axes. Which is why I like her so much. Oh, have I you seen her was- recently? I love crazy women. Uh, she was a mentor for Lisa Left Eye Lopez, I think. Yep. I looked up Tony Katane and it came up with David Cover. You may also be interested in David Coverdale, White Snake, White Snake videos, botched plastic surgery. Oh, whoa. No. Yeah. Ouch. <clears throat> she looks like, um, what's her name from Pretty Woman with a bee allergy? Jason Alexander? <laughs> Yes, she looks like Jason Alexander that got stung by a bee. Yeah, we'll just go run with that. Take you back to the jerk store. <laughs> On February 18th, this was the release of A Better Man by Clint Black, which was the Billboard Song of the Year for 1989. I used to listen to Matt Brown and I used to listen to that uh, album incessantly. I remember. Huh. Yeah, Matt was a Clint Black fan. Yep. I don't remember that song. It's good. Good song. song Can't find a better man. Oh, Oh, yeah. I know that. Yeah, but it was his cover version of that, yeah. Can't find a better man. Bang bong. They play play the guitar on a steel uh, steel guitar. I thought that was the Vietnamese cover version. (laughs) All right, you racist fuck. (laughs) That's coming from uh, the Texan, too. So, <laughs> David Roy Eldridge, nicknamed Little Jazz, was an American jazz trumpet player. His sophisticated use of harmony and virtuos- virtuosic solos mark him as one of the most influential musicians of the swing era and a precursor of bebop. It has been said that from the mid-30s onwards, he had superseded Louis Armstrong as the exemplar of modern hot trumpet playing. 
After suffering a heart attack in 1980, Eldridge gave up playing and he died at the age of 78, three weeks after the death of his wife, Viola. That's sad. Exemplar. But yeah, he apparently, just based on everything I was reading about him, was like a, one of the like top ten jazz musicians in, of the founding era of jazz. Huh. Yeah. And finally, on February 22nd, at the 31st Grammy Awards, the song of the year was Faith by Tracy Chapman. Oh, I'm sorry. No. By, by <laughs> Definitely not by Tracy Michael. Chapman. And Tracy Chapman won for New Artist and the acronym of the week, DWBH. I'm pretty sure that stands for Damon Wayans Ball Handler. <laughs> uh, topical. Yeah. I don't even have to highlight this because... Uh, the song is Don't Worry, Be Happy, which won something for Bobby McFerrin. Yeah, I didn't care enough to look up what it won. I loved that song so much in 1989. <laughs> I'm not going to say I loved it, I liked it, Don't but I definitely it. hate it now. I annoyed so many people with that song in 1989 because I just would not stop singing it. Why has nobody mashed up that and Happy by Pharrell Williams? Don't say that. Don't even make those noises into the air. Somebody just heard that somewhere. We don't want that. Why would you want that? I I might want that. I like both of those songs. I I, I don't know that they go together, but I like both of those songs. Here, I found some David David Roy Eldridge. Let's see. Oh, that I like. Wow, I do too. I yes, I I think I have immediately become a fan. Yeah, yeah. I like. I want to play more, but I don't want to get tagged by Google as like a. a, One one of the things that you know in his in his little biography was that was talking about is one of the things that made him so uh, important in jazz was that he was the the leading guy that kind of went against what Louis Armstrong was saying you do as a trumpeter. And he's like, no, I do it this way. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing about jazz though. It's a free form art. You know, you can do whatever you want. That's the, the the fun of it. Kind of take where the music takes you. Well, yeah, highly talented. All right. Yeah. I'm going to be checking some of that out after the show. Yeah. All right, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was The Burbs, a comedy-slash-horror-slash-thriller film directed by Joe Dante and starring Tom Hanks, Bruce Dern, Carrie Fisher, and Corey Feldman. I will watch this movie anytime, anywhere, anyplace. If it comes on, it it, it stops. I've only hmm. seen it once. I don't... What? I don't. Re- yeah, I, I saw it like... Uh, when it came on cable when I was young, and I don't remember much about it, I've never—I haven't seen it since. Hmm. I saw it in the theater and thought it held up well enough. I, I don't like it as much as Mike did, but it's—it's uh, it's another one of those movie. weird. Like my family carries this movie with them, like Zorro the Gay Blade. Yeah, but I mean, like we'll quote it, quote it to each other all the time. You know, like I've seen it twice. Came with the frame. You do love you guys do love Zero the Gay Blade. I you know what? I can't figure it out myself. I really don't understand it. But that's I if 
if someone's going to say we had a family film, it was it's Zorro the Gay Blade. <laughs> All right. Scout Taylor Compton was born on February 21st. She has appeared in numerous small television roles and in feature films. Her most notable roles include Laurie Strode in the horror films Halloween in 2007 and Halloween 2 in 2009, as well as Lita Ford in the film The Runaways. Taylor Compton also sang the theme song for her film Chicken Night, and she provided voice voiceover work in other films. She's considered a scream queen, having appeared in many horror films. I love Scout Taylor Compton. Chicken Night. I figured you would know her. Yeah. Wasn't that? Yeah. Isn't that the same people that did like uh, Wallace and Gromit? No, that's Chicken Run. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what Chicken Night is at all. I'm afraid it's something like the the Killer Turkey movie. <laughs> Thanks, Killing or Poultry Guys. Thanks, Killing or Poultry Guys. Yeah. Okay, I looked up who Scout Taylor Compton was. I recognize her. Yeah, she's she's uh, doing pretty well these days. I mean, she's doing a lot of direct to uh, Netflix and DVD whatnot, but she's putting some good stuff out there. A lot of horror. Mm. She See, started. I looked up Halloween. Chicken Night. All I'm getting is videos of Poultry Geist. Strange. <laughs> she was 17 in Halloween, the first one. It was probably a really small independent movie or something. Gotta be. A little girl narrates her experience with cooking with her single and very pregnant mother during a typical afternoon. Sounds that's, like a, that's chicken night. That's chicken night. Sounds huh. like a short, short film kind of thing, maybe. Uh, Wonder what the theme song was. Yeah, it's only chicken 13. night, hanging out with my mom. It was actually done by what's his name. He did the horns of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by David Roy Elvis. David Roy Elvis did, uh, did the theme song. Not to be confused with chicken now. It's chicken now. <laughs> I, think, I think we've nailed it. All right. Joan Elmer Woodbury was an American actress beginning in her childhood in the 1930s and continuing well into the 1960s. When Woodbury retired, she had appeared in 81 credited films, though a newspaper article published in 1963 reported that she had appeared in more than 300 films. Woodbury died at the age of 73 on February 22nd. That's a hell of a resume. Huh. It's like a Ron Jeremy resume. Who? She, she was the wood hog. She was in The Ten Commandments, The Living Ghost. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. She's been in a lot of stuff. King of the Zombies. Hmm. The little known oh, yeah. sequel to the Ten Commandments. Oh yeah, <laughs> the Ten Commandments was one of her last roles. Time Travelers, Confessions of Boston Blackie. Hmm. All right, moving on. Born February twenty fourth, Daniel Kaluuya is an English actor and writer who achieved international recognition and acclaim for his leading role as Chris Washington in the horror film Get Out, for which he was nominated for the Academy Award. Golden Globe Award, SAG Award, and BAFTA Award for Best Actor. In 2018, he won the BAFTA Rising Star Award. He gained further acclaim in the Black Mirror episode 15 Million Merits. In 2018, he portrayed Wakabi in Marvel Studios' blockbuster, Black Panther. Some of my favorite drinks. Kaluuya and cream. Get out of my head, Joel. <laughs> I wasn't going to say a thing. The, the, worst, the dumbest part about that is I'm sitting there thinking, 
No, it's not. <laughs> I would think it's Wakabi. What's Wakabi? I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah it looks... I mean, just he? looking at his resume, like everything he's in, I just unabashedly love. Yeah, he's he's an up-and-comer. Is big way. 15 Million Merits, is that the one where they're all riding the bikes? Yeah. Yes. Oh, that was It is up. one of my... It, it, I think it, to this day, is my favorite episode of Black Mirror. That, yeah, he plays the main character, the, the uh-huh. one that earns all the points. Yeah, that's that was the one that I watched and was like, I need to take a break of the seat of the show. That so, was the one that hooked me in on the show. Oh, it was totally great. I mean, it was an amazing, uh-huh. show, amazing episode. But at the same time, after I finished watching it, I was like, one of those, I need to give it a week <laughs> and come back. Yeah, that was this. the last episode I watched too. I haven't been back to it since that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't oh. care for it as much as you did that episode. It was good. It just, I didn't think it was. Well, there, there's some other great stuff further yeah, I still down. Yeah, I still haven't seen them. The, the, like the one with the bees. Yeah, I don't know what that is. The one where everyone is rated in all situations as though they were an Uber driver, which was directed by uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, oh nice. Oh. And there's dogs oh. with bees in the mouth, so when yeah. they bark, they shoot bees at you. That's not a thing. At least not in this show. It wasn't our Simpsons episode. He's got you there. Yeah. Ah. Oh, he meant in Black Mirror, I think. Yeah. All right, so TV is very short today. Uh, the top shows in the land are, of course, as it is in this decade, The Cosby Show, Roseanne, Cheers, and A Different World. A little bit of sitcom for everybody. I just watched a movie with Norman at this last week, and he was really good. Uh, House. Oh, I love that movie. God, I love that movie. Yeah, it's on streaming now on uh, Prime, I believe. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever actually seen it. Oh, it's the greatest American hero and Bull from Night Court uh, are in Vietnam together, and then Bull haunts the greatest American's hero's house, and then Norm from Cheers helps helps him get the ghost out. Yep, yeah, Bull plays a. He's dressed like a like a military. He's soldier he's, because he was in the in the military. That's why. Yeah. And that like description does not make me want to go see it. He's like a zombie. It's it's awesome. It's so good. It's it's cheesy, um, cheesy uh, haunted house movie. But I will say I do like the second one better because that has Cliff Clavin. <laughs> yeah, they went straight up cheers. <laughs> Looks like you got some kind of alternate dimension in there or something. <laughs> uh, good uh, stuff. Anyway. I think I might have seen that one though. Strangely, yeah, with the ter- the baby pterodactyl and the uh, gunfighter. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. All right, so February 20th saw the return of Charlie O'Donnell to Wheel of Fortune as the announcer following a nine-year absence. The hell of a cold. <laughs> what was he doing? Oh, nothing. They just He, he just, uh, retired, and then the guy that did the show for nine years, uh, he retired, and they asked him if he wanted to come back, and he's like, yeah, okay, and then he came back, and he did it until he died. That's, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. So, I always liked Wheel of Fortune. Did we do a game show show? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, fairly early on. I'm wondering if we should revisit, like, some of the... Now that we're approaching 300, should we, like, revisit Conan the Barbarian, the first one we ever did? Like a... Like a... Uh, five years later, kind of? Yeah. What do we think now? That'd be interesting. I think so. That would be I funny. think when we reach episode 420, we should just start over from the beginning and just do every episode again. No. 
I don't. Well, I mean, not like we would remember. Right. <laughs> Did you do that? I don't know. Check Did the we? list. All right. So February 28th was the premiere of Coach, which debuted at number 18 on the ratings. Craig T. Nelson. Craig T. Nelson. I have. N- I don't think I've ever seen Coach. Really? Yeah. It's pretty good. It and, was entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. It was standard late 80s sitcom. sitcom yeah. It was decent. Dauber was, was pretty funny. I think um, I, at this time I was all about uh, like Night Court. It had Jerry Van Dyke in it too. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. He was great. He was hilarious. I mean, it, I think it was right up um, right before just the ten of us. It was really good cast. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So sports. On February 26th, the Dallas Cowboys fired coach Tom Landry after an illustrious and successful 29-year career, all that, with the Cowboys. That name makes me think of King of the Hill. Yep. They fired him after 29 years? Yep. Why? What did he, what, what did he do that he hasn't... I mean, what could you possibly do after 29 years that they'd be like, Oh, yeah. no, the team just started sucking, and he just was getting too old, and you know couldn't relate to the players anymore, and they just had to let him go. Oh. They couldn't be just like, maybe it's time you retire? Go ahead and retire, yeah. Ageism. Well, no, I mean, the Cowboys franchise, despite being America's team, you know, management is full of a bunch of assholes. So. Is that what they're known as? Uh-huh. America's You really team? didn't know that? Uh-uh. Yeah. That's... I always thought it was like the Patriots. Yeah, that's no. what I would guess. No, that dates back to like the 1970s. America's team. Huh. Yeah. If yeah. you're from Texas. No, I, just, I mean, that, look it up. That's exactly what they were called back then. That was like their, they don't really call them that anymore, but that was, you know. Interesting. Yep. I guess because their you know their logo is a star. I don't know. I don't, I've never been a Cowboys fan, so I don't really know. Moving on. <laughs> Vernon Lewis Lefty Gomez was a left-handed MLB pitcher between 1930 and 1943 for the New Uh-oh. York Yankees and the Washington Senators. Oh, yeah, right. Washington Senators, winning five World Series championships with the Yankees. Known for his colorful colorful personality and humor throughout his career and life, he married Hollywood actress June O'Day and made a living as a public speaker when he retired from baseball. Lucky died of congestive heart failure on February 17th. A decade later, he was ranked number 73 on the Sporting News list of the 100 greatest baseball players, and in 1972, he was elected to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Not too lucky to die of congestive heart failure. Jeez. Yeah. That sucks. I've never heard of him, though, if he's ranked that high. I mean, yeah. hmm, I'm wondering all kinds of stuff. He's the only um, he's the only pitcher in the history of the game to go 6-0 and in the World Series. Today I learned something, and that's that dogs don't come from eggs. I think he was known as America's pitcher, wasn't he? It's because he had a big star on his forehead. <laughs> I think that's the rumor. And lastly, to get us out of here, February 18th was the 31st Daytona 500 won by Daryl Waltrip. And play us off, keyboard Joel. No, 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 no. That was wet. It's always wet. Yeah, I was like, that's no exception. I'm going to get you, sucker. 1988, this is a parody of black exploitation movies. The big hero wannabe reunites former black heroes from the 70s to help him get revenge on Mr. Big. Uh, this, is direct- this, is, this, is, this is before Sex in the City, different Mr. Big. <laughs> that would be, I'd watch that. 
Like, I mean, that would have been great if Sex and the City had been the same actor playing Mr. Big. And he's like, what are you doing here? I'm just dating a horse. <laughs> did he Did he date her? I don't know. I don't know. I've before. never seen Sex and the City. Are you kidding? Pat, you were a fan. Did, did he date who what? Did he date Horseface? Yeah, Mr. Big. Yeah, Mr. Big was dating Carrie. Yeah. And yeah, I, I was, was pretty I, sure, having never I, seen the show, I, I yeah. was pretty sure. I was not a fan. Uh, Angela was a fan, so unfortunately I'm familiar with it. But By proxy, you were a fan. Uh, no. By proxy, I'm familiar. But you know their names. Yeah. Fan. Sure. It's There's Carrie and Miranda and... Uh, oh, maybe I don't. Carrie and Miranda... This isn't the Sex and the Shitty show. Shitty? Sex, sex and the Shitty? shitty? It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's, that's my, Freudian, yeah, my Freudian slip is showing. Why can't I think of the other one? Just, that's the um, German take on it. What the hell is Kim Cattrall's character's name? Susan? No, that's not right. Mark? Mohammed. I think it's Mohammed. Mohammed? We'll run with that. All right. So, yeah. yeah. This is not directed by Mohammed. It's directed by Keenan Ivory Wayans. And Wayans. Sorry. And uh, written by him also. Who uh, plays Jack Spade in the movie? Uh, Bernie Casey as John Slade, Antonio Fargus as Fly Guy, Steve James as Kung Fu Joe, quite possibly my favorite character, Isaac Hayes as Hammer, Jim Brown as Slammer, Jeanette Dubois as Ma Bell, Don Lewis as Cheryl, John Vernon as Mr. Big, which I think Dean was. Wormer. Dean Wormer is Mr. Big. I thought that was secret probation. That I think was great. Uh, Clue Clue Gulager? Clue Gulager. Clue Gulager. Uh, Lieutenant Baker, Kareem Hardison as Willie, Damon Wines as Leonard, Anne Marie Johnson as Cherry, Gary Owens as himself. Gary Owens. Eve Plum. David Allen Greer as the newsman. Weirdly, Ariana Richards as the little girl. Which is yep. kind of bizarre. Um, Kim Wines is a nightclub singer. Wayans, sorry. Chris Rock as a rib guy. And Marlon and Sean as pedestrians. Yeah, it wouldn't be a Wayans Brother movie if it wasn't all the Wayans. Right. <laughs> all the Wayans have to weigh in. Hey! It was their the porn parody, All the Wayans. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I, I get that. Tab 28. That's a sex joke. <laughs> God bless it. Uh, all right, so some trivia on this one. Eddie Murphy came up with the original idea for the title for the film during a conversation with Keenan. Wayans asked for Murphy's permission to use it. That's a great idea. Let me use that. Can I borrow yeah. that? You're not often going to go wrong stealing stuff from Eddie Murphy. At least not at that time. Yeah, not in the 80s. Just in general. I mean, he's still... It, something Eddie Murphy comes with up with is still going to be better than most things that the normal person's going to come up with. Dr. Doolittle is still probably better than anything that, you know, like... Yeah, but what the about The average that, person would write. What about that... Did he write that space one? Pluto Nash? Yeah. The Adventures of Pluto Nash? No, he was a producer, but he didn't write it. I think. I'm not 100%, but I think. Hmm. Did he do Ghost Dad? No, that was Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. <laughs> I'm All a right. ghost and I'm your father. Mm-hmm. I can see you, but I'm invisible. Now drink this drink. <laughs> it tastes like my pudding pop. All right, they got weird. Ew. 
Uh, <laughs> Chris Rock told Reddit that he enjoys ribs at the rib joint and ate more off camera. <laughs> more than one, anyway. He's <laughs> <laughs> always hungry. Uh, when Slammer asked Jack Spade what makes you think you can be a black hero, Spade responds by saying, I'm an ex-football player. Jim Brown played football for the Cleveland Browns from 57 to 65 and is in the NHL NFA. Welcome before go 14. Letters are hard. NFL Hall of Fame. Bernie Casey and Fred Williamson were also professional football players before coming actors, which I think I'll get to it anyway. Yeah, During the line. sequence with Kalinga's headquarters, the theme to the Brady Bunch can be heard. Kalinga's wife is played by Eve Plum, best known for playing Jan in the Brady Bunch. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Uh, I, yep. caught the, I caught the song. I didn't catch that that was Eve Plum. Yeah, yep. I, I caught the song, but I was too much into going, is that the girl from Jurassic Park? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's yeah. why it made no sense. I thought it was just like a thing, like oh, it, it, they were playing the Brady Bunch, Brady Bunch because his family was so white bread that I thought it was some sort of like not. That's what I thought it was too. Yeah. Okay. And during the I thought time, they were just I thought they were just making fun of like the fact that he was raising somebody else's white kids or something. I wasn't really sure what it was. Yeah. Now you know. All right, during the time of the Reeseless film, Don Lewis and Kadeem Hardson were starring in an African-American television show, A Different World. Siblings Keenan Ivory, what, I always say it wrong, Wayans? Wayans. Wayans. Damon Wayans and Kim Wayans were also guest starred in the series during its first season. And they all starred in... My Mother the Pants. And Living Color. Yeah, yeah, biggest biggest sketch comedy show in the '90s. That's how I became a fan of the Wayans Brothers. I saw somebody at it was like she must have been like at least 25 years younger than me, like born when we just got into college, and she had a homie don't play that T-shirt on. I was like, oh, that's a fantastic T-shirt, and she was like, yeah, I got it at Goodwill. I just like the clown. I don't get it. Oh, and then uh, I felt sad. And you, then you stripped it off of her and said, homie, don't play that. No. That's not what I did. Yeah. That's not how life works. <laughs> <laughs> not for you. All right. So is this a first viewing for any of us? No. Wait, I want to go oh, back no. to this. Is that how life works for you? You just go around taking shirts off of women? Well, every, anyone. It doesn't have to be women. Guys, dogs. You just go around taking shirts off of people? Uh-huh. Yeah. Where are you running into all these dogs wearing shirts? <laughs> You've never been to Rockford. Apparently. I was going to say, that's Rockford. <laughs> I, I, I always go to the nude dog park. I don't... I don't... <laughs> Shit. Uh, yeah, this got weird. <laughs> I didn't go down this path. You guys did. Yeah, but you're the one who's just randomly taking shirts off of people. And mm-hmm. dogs. And apparently. dogs. Yeah, my... My dogs start off nude. I don't make them nude. That's that's just weird. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> so anyway, first time viewing for anybody. No. <laughs> I'm no. going to go with no. Yeah, no, I saw I, this shortly after it came out on video. I didn't same. see it in the theater, but like right as it got released on VHS. Yep, same. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it several times. Yeah. This so. is only my second time seeing it, but I have seen it. Saw it on TV, on cable. Oh. Yeah. 
Well, I saw it on cable, and I also saw it when I worked at the video store. And the only two things I recalled from watching this movie was, um, I always, God bless it, I always want to call him uh, Cream Corn. <laughs> Antonio Fargas. Oh, no. Not on t- yeah. You're, uh, Antonio uh, Fargus is who you're talking about, because we had this discussion before the show. Yeah, I, I am wrong that Antonio Fargus is not... The same they person. Really, not Tommy Davidson. No, no. Okay. Like, but like, I watched Black Dynamite first, and when I saw Cream Corn for some reason in my head, he, it said, "Oh well, do that. That's Fly Guy from I'm Gonna Get You Sucker." Because the only two things I remembered from watching it was him walking down the street with the with the uh, goldfish Gold shoes on, yeah. and then um, Isaac ha- Isaac Hayes dying or getting shot when he falls down with all the guns strapped to him. <laughs> That's literally the only two things I remembered. Well, the, really? the, the fish shoes is one of the most iconic scenes in the whole movie. Oh, that yeah. Can I get one rib? The yeah. rib sequence yeah. is what I always think of. Yep. I'd say those are the two biggest scenes. Yeah. I, I remember that my dad saw the movie after I rented it, and he did not get it. I, I don't know if he didn't know it was supposed to be a parody, but like he, he was like, yeah, I turned it off when it was obvious that the stunt double wasn't really her. <laughs> I was like, that's, the stunt double had a mustache. That's, that's supposed to be. I, <laughs> yeah, I I'm thinking that. he didn't get it was supposed to be a, co- a parody comedy that, thing. That was, yeah. I think <laughs> so. That's <laughs> the joke. You can definitely tell that the Wayans brothers were heavily influenced by the Zucker brothers. After seeing, when I watch this again and after just doing um, Police Squad, it, it, there was a lot of very Zucker Brothers kind of things going on. And I think this is before they settled into a lot more lowbrow comedy and current events parody. Because I this held up for me, whereas their later work, starting with Scary Movie, I do not care for. Really? Yeah. I, I'm the same I, way, yeah. I like the first Scary Movie, but then they just kept getting progressively lazier. Less. Yeah, and then when I saw Haunted House... I was just like, what the hell happened? See, that's the thing I like. I'm with Joel on this one. I like the first scary movie, and it just, that was the peak, and it just went down from there. I mean, Chris Elliott's character in the scene with the turkey and the mashed potatoes still grosses me out more than most <laughs> horror movie sequences that you can show me. And that's take, where the movie entirely lost me. Take my strong hand. And he's just licking it off his face. Oh, it's just gross. But anyway, we're not talking about haunted or scary movie. But uh, yeah, I mean, well, other than never mind. I'm gonna shut up now. Don't shut up. We have got a whole another show to do, dude. Right? Seriously. That's the opposite of what we should be doing right now. You should be talking more. <laughs> I'm having a hard time formulating sentences right now. But anyway, yes, it did hold up. I agree. Because I haven't seen it in maybe a decade. And I wasn't quite sure, but I was wanting to see it again. Wait, are and you talking about I'm gonna get a scary you movie or I'm going to get you suck up? No, I'm going to get you suck up. Oh, okay. And it definitely it definitely held up. It, it, it felt, I think it did because there were not... I, I, I hate comedies when they make referential, like, time-specific jokes. The reason this one, I'm, for me, held up is that it all the jokes that it had 
were never one of those things like, oh, that was funny, but in the 80s. It was funny, but in the 70s. Or that was funny, but in the 90s. Like, if you were not around, you didn't get it. I think the jokes were broad well, like, like, if 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 this had been made in the vein of their later movies, you know, there would have been, like, a where's the beef joke hidden somewhere in this movie or something, you know? Yeah, but I think... The, they, they, they did, you know, because all they did was, like, make pop culture reference jokes in the later movies. That's the thing. It's like the later stuff, you had to be aware of what was going on back then. I mean, the most referential joke, I think, in this one has got to be the uh, the the football one. I mean, and even then, if you know who the other two guys are, it, that makes a little bit more sense. But, I mean, again, that's not a really tough thing to figure out. And I, even though they were making fun of... You know the 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 black exploitation movies, the Shaft, the uh, Superfly. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the black Dolom- Dolomite. 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 Is a big one, yeah. Yeah. It it still it still stood on its own as just kind of a funny action movie, even if you kind of take out the word that what they were directly parodying. It still was funny and entertaining. And it it had a little bit of that airplane feel to it, also. Yeah, exactly. Like, like when they're um, they're busting up Mr. Big's operations and they go into the uh, the whorehouse and the one woman runs out of the room and she in the back of her shirt it says another ac- another model turned actress <laughs> on the back of her shirt. And that was very yeah, that was very Zucker type humor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was enough of that where it wasn't like we're trying to be the Black Zucker brothers. Well, even even the Isaac Hayes scene you're talking about where he. Carry loads up on all the guns for five minutes and then ends up tripping and killing himself. You know that that's a Zucker Brothers kind of thing too. Yeah, but it, they played it off a lot better. I mean, they didn't play it off as tongue in cheek as the Zucker Brothers would have. I just I I think that while it was in the same vein of a uh, of a Zucker Brothers movie, I think it it was the play of it was unique enough that it, you weren't. Like the, oh my god that was a ripoff. Yeah, true. And uh, I I stand by the idea that Jim Brown is a, like incredibly underrated. Everything he's in, he's amazing in. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite parts of uh, From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh yeah. Oh when he when he does his rant. Yeah, when he's he's going off on Vietnam, he's got the big cigar. Everyone's sort of tuning out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the the claws just started coming over his shoulders. That yeah. was fantastic scene. And when he um, when he has the, when he pulls out the pencil as a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> one of one of my other favorite scenes from this movie, outside of the 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 rib sequence with Chris Rock, is when John Vernon talks about how he's not too big to play a a bad guy in a. Oh in a, yeah! Right. <laughs> and he, there was a lot of fourth wall breaking in this movie. Oh yeah, he names a bunch of other actors too that that uh, had done it. <laughs> He's like, why can't I? Well, and I think what was cool about that is that everybody. He, it wasn't just like, well, you know, this person did this. It was it was almost like playing Trivial Pursuit. And it was just kind of funny because it was one of those things where you know everybody watching it at one point was kind of like, why is he doing this movie? <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes and addresses that at the end, which was brilliant. Dean Wormer? What the hell? (laughs) Right? (laughs) The time has come for someone to put their foot down. 
And I love as much as I like like that actor, his his accent just like come just came and went with the wind. Well, you know. Yeah. That might have been even part of the design. This is, you know, that might have been direction. Yeah, that's I mean, kind of what I was they, did, they did have the one guy try to get out of the car and realize it wasn't in park. They did have the stunt man that looked was totally obvious it was the stunt man. It could have been they told him like, you know, change your change your accent up as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And then and then at the second take, forget about it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Just one other little tiny thing that unless you're paying attention, you may not even notice. The only joke I did not, well, one I like the repetitive joke of them throwing, getting thrown down the stairs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Johnny Dangerously thing. My mother did that to me once. <sighs> My mother once. hung me in a hook once. Oh shit! There's another movie we got to do. It's, a, it's that same kind of running joke though. Well, that that there was a, a one great line in there. There was like, like, how's he doing? He's dead. Can't you hear the music? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, was that was fantastic. A great line. <laughs> and then he's like, "At least he's not cheap." And then picks up his body and uses it as, as a shield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I appreciated uh, the young Tony Cox in the in the hat scene. Oh, were they, they walk into the bar and they've all got the giant hats on? Yeah, and the, and the guys are hidden in the hats. <laughs> Tony Cox was one of those guys. Yeah, that was. <laughs> See, and that's the thing is that they knew when to swing the needle to absurdity. Yep, it's the big brim bar. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and that's kind of where the Zucker brothers sometimes don't know quite where that point is, and they kind of go off the the deep end too often or not enough. You know, there's not that middle ground. And here there was that that nice little safe spot in the in the middle. Um, and I gotta admit, when when a Fly Guy walks back in at the end, and he's he's realized that he's no longer you know the old school pimp, and he's all dressed to the nines and looking badass. That I I love that sequence. He gets his little bit of of uh, what's the word? I'm Redemption. For. Redemption. Yeah, thank it. you. After he got mercilessly just everybody ripping. You've been on shopping it. at the Goodwill, <laughs> <laughs> the pet store. <laughs> Oh, and it, at first you're like, you're in on the joke, and then when his shoes break and he starts running, you feel bad for him. You're like, oh, he just killed the goldfish, and he's sad. I did feel bad for him, actually. Like The poor guy's been in prison for how many years? Give the guy a break. It may be the <laughs> only thing he has in his closet. <laughs> how did the fish stay alive, then? That's a how did tough, he get him in tough fish. Tough fish, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Josh, how about you, man? You around? Yeah, I've been here. Okay, <laughs> good. Got a home. Glad I could contribute. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to make a point, Mike, about something before you got to the. It seemed like we got sidetracked. I don't make points. I just sort of ramble. True. Uh, did it's anybody? Welcome, welcome to my world. It's worked for forty-six years. Why should I stop now? Did anybody find the scene with Don Lewis where she's got PMS very reminiscent of Michael Jackson's thriller? Oh, or was that just me? A bit. I think they, I, were, they were aiming for the exercise. I wasn't thinking that at the time, but yeah. Now that you mention it. I just thought in general it was just kind of an unnecessary scene. 
Well, I mean, it was the late 80s. You had to have that, you know, there had to be a PMS joke. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It just, you know, it just wasn't really that funny. Didn't add anything to the story. It didn't, you know, it just, I don't know. I mean, it just, just seemed kind of unnecessary in the fact that just, I don't know, was. I was ready for her to slap down the guy's, Miss, can I get some coffee? Yeah, right. He deserved it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when they're doing, especially when they started doing the big focus on his face type of thing. And how the hell does that restaurant not have anybody in it for the entire movie except for that one moment? Right. They had to have the plot move forward so she could be kidnapped by Kadeem Hardison and Damon Wayne. That was the plot rush. Everybody knows about the plot rush. Yep. <laughs> the plot. Because they had to get you her get there. You get your lunch rush, your dinner rush, your plot rush. Yeah, well, uh, that's what happens. No. <laughs> Wait, what, Joel? What, what? I forgot the name of the guy. When when she attacks him, he's like, "I heard you screaming all the way down there. You didn't hear me screaming. You heard me whistling." Oh yeah, <laughs> you were whistling. Get this bitch off me. That <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a lot of really like um. This is one of those movies where you could watch it again and get a lot of subtle humor out of it. Like yeah, jokes that you didn't notice. On. Yeah. And the more you pay attention, the more you catch things. And there's things I saw in this this time that I, you know, didn't see before. And probably if I watch it again, it'll be the same situation. Well, and obviously you guys have found that out, like the uh, Eve Plum thing. Who? What? Jam Brady. <laughs> oh, okay. You're not that high, Patrick. It was a joke, sir. Uh, he says, put it in my hand for a damn. Now, when the Kung Fu guy got attacked by the cops. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's all lined up against him. And I'm like, like, well, nowadays he just gets shot. And then they shot him. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> now, here, see, here's the thing is that that second cop that attacked him. For the love of God, I thought it was Kurt Russell. I have to grab a screen, a screen uh, grab of that one because for the, I'm, but I was watching it on my phone. I think you're the only one. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Really? Think that. I'm, I'm looking through this. He's right. not in the cast list. I would have tagged him. I, I was almost didn't want to tag everybody. I did, but there's so many people in it. I couldn't leave anybody out. Well, I mean, that's kind of like, this is almost one of those ensemble type movies. Well, and their careers were super hot at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. And some of them were just kind of getting getting started and have since become names. And then they had a lot of people that were already names that they pulled out uh, to kind of, you know, shore things up like like uh, Jim Vernon or or John Vernon or Gulager or Isaac Hayes, Jim Brown, but Don Lewis and stuff. They, she was, you know, early on in her career. Same thing with Anne Marie Johnson. Cause I don't know. When did in living color start? Uh, late eighties. I want to say 88, 89. Cause mm-hmm. this was 88. Uh, oh, must've been before that then. It was right around right around the same time. Yeah, it was going on when I was in high school. In nineteen ninety-two, started in ninety. So this is before in Living Color. 
Started in 90, ran through 94. Huh. Man. So how did Keenan Ivory Wayans get his own movie to direct and write? I'm looking to see. Yeah, my my, uh, impression of the timeline was way off. Well, that was the first movie he directed. Um, And prior to that, he wrote he wrote Hollywood Shuffle, which is pretty well known yeah. film. But yeah, he didn't have a lot of credits before that. That's crazy that they would allow him to take that much control over something when he's still <laughs> fairly new in the game. Yeah, basically allowed him to use his whole entourage before he's even anybody. Right. I mean, he was an actor since looks like eighty one. But even then, you know, he hadn't done a ton of stuff. But I, maybe he just got the cast together and had a script, and they're like, all right, we get all this going on. Well, well here's some money. That's crazy. Maybe Jim Brown just told a bunch of people, we're making this movie sucker. <laughs> get I choose to believe that's the case. Yeah, let's just go with that one. Jim Brown, Jim Brown and... Um... Oh, what's Isaac his Hayes. face? Isaac Hayes showed up. We want to make this movie. We just want to drive around in a car and talk about bunions. You know, but putting that out there that this was before In Living Color kind of uh, explains one thing that I thought was odd. If you'd told me that Tommy Davidson was in one of these two movies before going back and watching them again, I would have guessed the wrong one. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he, that In Living Color is where we got introduced to him. True. In living color. On a completely unrelated note, one of the funniest things I've ever seen on on uh, in living color is when Jim Carrey covers uh, Snow's Informer. <laughs> yes, just tossing it out there. Saw it a couple weeks ago. It was amazing. In loving in living color was r- really a good show. I enjoyed I it. Yeah, I watched it. As often as I could in high school, whenever I could catch it. I do an excellent impression of Handyman, but oh, I'm yeah. not doing that on the show right now. No, you got to do it now. You brought it up. Nope. Welcome to this old box. Oh, my God. This old box. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, everybody remembers Fire Marshal Bill, but. Oh, yeah. Or, or, or the, the the prison guy who was always messing up his words. I, excuse me while I digress my bowels. <laughs> Wrote a song about it. Want to hear it? Here it goes. Here it goes. That yeah, was bad TV, though. Was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aw, I messed up. I didn't watch too much Mad TV, but I remember that skit. But anyway, we're getting way off topic. So, any other thoughts on uh, I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker? It was almost ahead of its time. The pair, I think it was... I think it was a kind of parody that nobody had realized because there really isn't anything like it until Black Dynamite. Whereas, like, you've got the parody movie type stuff and, like, everyone's copying the horror parody, that sort of thing. It seems like nobody kind of touched it until until recently. Well, Blaxploitation films kind of became a... uh, a hot button issue for a while. And now they've kind of almost come around again to being more 
not not really loved. That's not the word I'm looking for, but more um, accepted as 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 a cultural, as a genre, as, as a cultural genre, as, and as an important you know stepping stone in in in, a, in the African American culture. Whereas for a while there, it was seen as like almost almost as shameful, but you know now it's getting a lot more just straight up accepted. Well, and I think a lot of people realize that there were a lot of those movies that did have a lot of good things going on for them and started a lot of careers and kept a lot of careers going. Um, and yeah, it's become something different than what it was, at least how it's looked, how it's viewed. Paul show. Yes. All right. So are we ready to go to the break already? I think so. Yeah, I think I've said about as much as I can about this movie. Yeah. I love it. So when we get back, we're going to talk about Black Dynamite. Starring Explosion. Is the Explosion back? Oh, yeah. he's He, he came out of retirement just for you, Joel. Oh. He's like, I want Joel to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we'll be back in a little bit. All right, we are back, and we are talking about 2009's Black Dynamite. This is the story of a 1970s African-American legend, Black Dynamite. The man killed his brother, pumped heroin into the local orphanages, and flooded the ghetto with an adulterated malt liquor. Black Dynamite is one hero willing to fight the man all the way to the blood-soaked city streets to the hallowed halls of the honky house. <laughs> Joel, tell me you wrote that. <laughs> no, I wish I did. But oh, my God. Because honky is one of my favorite words. Uh, it just makes me giggle. That's funny. It so, is a great word. I told you if I ever had a solo act and I toured the country, just me and a guitar, I was going to be Joel and the Super Honkies. What's my plan? Louis C.K. talking about that word. He's like, he's like Is that, there's no power behind that word. You're like, oh, ruin my day. <laughs> <laughs> so this is directed by Scott Sanders, who's known for Black Dynamite and Black Dynamite, the TV series. Yep. It ran for two seasons in 2011 and 2013. And I've heard good things about it, but I have not seen it yet. Strangely enough, he also did a movie called Thickest Thieves back in 1999, where he directed... Uh, who did he direct? Sexy Michael Caine? No, Mark Adarios. Not so sexy, Dennis no. Franz? Condi Alexander. Alec Baldwin? What? Weird. Now, this is kind of strange. So if you like the movie Thick as Thieves, IMDb says you may like the you may also like the bingo long traveling all stars and motor kings. <laughs> what? OK. All right. Is that a thing? Well, I'm going to take your word for that. Uh, writing credits by uh, Michael Jai White, uh, who is known for this and uh, playing Al Simmons in the Spawn movie. Yep. I mean, he's he's a bit of an action B grade or C grade action star. Uh, does a lot of that kind of stuff. But. Got a hell of a physique. Physique. Yeah. Physique. Physique. That turned he's, out to be a more difficult word to pronounce. He's than I the guy in uh, the Princess Bride. Physique. 
he does he he makes a living but he's not ever become like a big name like a big big name yeah it's also uh, written by byron mins who is known for such things as black dynamite and playing wounded soldier in forrest gump oh i remember him yeah i don't remember. that one soldier that was wounded <laughs> there was only one <laughs> he just followed him around the whole movie. Ow, my finger. Get the medic. All right, so this has got Michael Jai White as Black Dynamite, Tommy Davidson as Cream Corn. There you go. Arsenio Hall as Tasty Freeze, Erwin Keyes as Henchman, Brian McKnight. Strange story. I have seen Brian McKnight in concert as Sweet Meat. <laughs> uh, Kim Whitley as Honey Bee. Micheletti Williamson as Chicago Wind, Bokeem Woodbine as Black Hand Jack, Cedric Yardborough as Chocolate Giddy Up, Roger Yond as a fiendish Doctor Wu, and I am sorely disappointed that you do not have Captain Kangaroo Pimp in here in the list, Joel. Yeah, but who played him? That's what I'm saying. You don't have him in the list. Well, I figured we'd talk about him. How, but do, how do we know if he's not in the list, Joel? Because right. he wasn't a name, otherwise I would have put him in. How dare you? We can only discuss what's on the paper. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> so, but yes, is this a, uh, let's get some trivia out of the way. Before we get down there, the prosthetic, <laughs> the prosthetic penis worn by Gunsmoke was actually a flesh-colored baby pacifier. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a weird thing. That that whole scene was strange. <laughs> Let's put him out of his misery. Do you want to live? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shoot him in the head. The phrase that Black Dynamite repeats hearing from a dying child is not Chinese, but actually Vietnamese for you are full of shit. That's awesome. Well, he keeps talking about how he's in Vietnam and he keeps referring to everybody as Chinese. No. I don't know what he said, but I knew what he meant. Uh, the boom microphone is visible several times at the top of the frame. Usually if a boom mic is visible in a finished movie, it's either because of a mistake made by the filmmakers during shooting or, much made more frequently, a mistake made by the projectionists at the movie theater. But in the case of this movie, the mic being visible is a joke meant to parody the lack of film production expertise in the sets of the original exploitation movies that this is referencing. I don't recall seeing any... Well, no, we were watching a parody of that, so... Oh, it's... You mean you don't remember seeing it in the movie? No, I don't remember seeing the boom mic. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't remember seeing it either. There's I think, a couple of obvious times when it pops up. I think it may be that I watch movies that are so crappy for this sh podcast that I just don't register anymore. It's, it is one shot really early on, actually, in like the first 10, 15 minutes. Huh. He even like looks up at it. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. Yeah. All right. So uh, some more James McManus, the guy who played Richard Nixon, practiced using the nunchuck six hours a day to prepare for his role. <laughs> Good on you. I want to see Tricky Dick fight somebody with nunchucks. That was, <laughs> that was, that was interesting. I got to give it to that. Pretty amazing. Yeah. 
And then Roscoe's Fictitious Chilean Donuts is a play on the real-life Roscoe's House of Chicken and Waffles. Chicken and Waffles. Now, yeah. whoever wrote this trivia was not paying attention. Exactly. Because they set up that joke. Yeah. They, they set that joke up an hour ahead of time. Right. And that was... Well, Roscoe's just sitting there in the <laughs> diner. Are you telling me all you got to eat is chicken and waffles? That's it! <laughs> And you don't even notice he's one of the people in the diner until he goes, that's it, and jumps up and runs out. (laughs) That was probably the biggest laugh this this movie got out of me. That and Captain Kangaroo Pimp. (laughs) Captain Uh, Kangaroo Pimp was, that came out of nowhere. I was like, what? What got me was the, like, it's the worst thing about it is they're orphans and they ain't got no parents. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That that one didn't make me kind of laugh. Captain Kangaroo Pimp is not even listed in the credits at all. I just like the look on his face when they passed him by and he's like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. He's got the the bitch on his lap and he's all like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Rogers, this. I, though, though, as much as Captain Kangaroo Pimp was probably the high point, that was kind of the point where I checked out. <laughs> After that, it was all downhill. Oh, um, see, I love when he puts the plan together. That whole scene with, uh, wait a minute, what did you say? Melts in your mouth. What else melts oh, in your yeah. mouth? That whole scene had me rolling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and they set up the joke ahead of time when they're at the warehouse and they're like, it's nothing in here but malt liquor. And they just keep talking about how nothing in there is. It's just malt liquor. Like they don't see the obvious. That uh-huh. There's not even anything that the stuff they're looking for isn't there. It's the malt liquor that they're looking for. And then they figure it out later through that whole complex exchange. I think the best part of the exchange was the old lady contra- uh, chiming in and, and Black Dynamite being like, yeah, okay, great. Like, I wasn't expecting you to be here and getting these answers. <laughs> I mean, even in the moments where this wasn't funny, one of the things that got me is how well they nailed the low-budget 70s exploitation aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole thing felt genuine. And even though that wasn't laugh out loud, it was just so on point that I was smiling the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it was it was well done for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, if you had not told me that this was made in two thousand and nine, I would have never guessed it. No, I have to ask because I've seen this a few times. But is this the first time for any of you? Or oh yeah, seen... yeah, this is definitely my first time. This is my second. I never would have seen this if it wasn't for this show. Oh, see, and kind of, I... I should have that tattooed on my arm. <laughs> That's true. But I felt like this was in your guys' wheelhouse. That's kind of why I recommended it. Cause I've never been a big like fan of, of the black exploitation genre. Just, not that so much, just the comedy aspect of it. But no, I've, I mean, this has never even like hit my radar at all. I just didn't even know this. When you guys suggested this topic, I'm like, I've never even heard of this movie. Oh. I, I saw the scene where he figures everything out linked from Reddit, and it made me watch the whole movie the first time. Oh. So that was actually the first encounter I had with the film at all was my favorite scene. Hmm. See, I saw it shortly after it hit video. Um, after it was released. I, cause I had heard about it and it just seemed like something I would enjoy. And I was not mistaken. Do you have this on DVD, Joel? No. 
I do not. But it is one I've considered at some point. But now I want to see the cartoon because I'd heard they were making it, but I never saw it. And I, I didn't realize it it had been made. And then <laughs> there was a second season that came out two years after the fact. See, I'm just glad to finally get some sort of reference on the you done fucked up now meme. What? You know, you've seen this yeah, one, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I just, I never knew that was for, that what where that was from. It always is. It's always fun to find a meme in its natural habitat. <laughs> to get the source material. <laughs> well, like when you just stumble on it, you're like, oh my god, that's what that's from? <laughs> trying to, I trying just... To what... Oh, god. No, 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 it was really nothing. I was going to say, I'm trying to think of the last time that happened to me. But... Well, I just think it's, it's so well made, and I think that Michael J. White legitimately wanted to do something good and had the the knowledge base to make it work and he sold it i mean and that's the thing is it's played there are a few moments where there's grinning and winking but mostly it is played straight even though it's utterly ridiculous and i think that's one of the reasons why it worked for me i did like the 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 line where he said why don't you smile i am smiling <laughs> well, and that's just it. He's such a serious actor, and I don't mean serious like you know, uh, Oscar caliber acting, but just he always plays yeah. very serious characters. He just doesn't have that look of the romantic lead or the guy that you know the the comedian. He's a very menacing looking dude. Yeah, he mm-hmm. looks like a dude that's going to kick your ass in an action movie, and that's what makes this that much better. Is that it's such a ridiculous film, and there's so much going on that's that's not to the Zucker brothers level of goofiness, but it walks that fine line. Quiet um, bitches. You're going to wake <laughs> the other bitches up <laughs> between, you know, parody and satire and, and, you know, just all out kind of over the top slapstick just kind of brilliantly. And him being so serious is what sells it. So I it like, I like the breaks in character when, like when he drops off the one girl at the, uh, Oh yeah. When the girl finishes his sentence, like, I know it's you and I'm going to knock you down the alley with a coat hanger. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, right. With a then, hot coat hanger. <laughs> just like, what the hell? Where did that come from? <laughs> I mean, and, and it's funny because like all the actors kind of do that. All right. Okay. I guess we're going on with the scene. Oh, how great was that one, <coughs> pardon me, that one scene, the fight scene where he accidentally slaps a guy and the guy's like, motherfucker, and then they cut, <laughs> and it comes back and it's a totally different guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was great. I Fucking guess pool. I missed that detail. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. In, the pool, in the pool hall, when Bullhorn comes in to like take care of the last guy, <laughs> they go. They set up the fight scene and he does the first move and it slaps him in the face. The guy totally breaks character, takes a step forward, like, motherfucker! Hard cut, new guy in the same suit. <laughs> That's awesome. I missed it. Yeah. See? It's that kind of stuff, you know? It's that and him rolling the guy in the donut outfit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's just so many great moments. Also, him in the helicopter wearing the yes. tuxedo, laughing. And then he keeps laughing throughout the beginning of the next scene when yeah. he walks in. And the 
I mean, it uh, definitely had some good moments. I'm glad. I'm. I'm, I'm probably not going to watch it. This is another one. Is I'm probably not going to watch it again. But I'm not unhappy. I watched it. It was funny. Yeah. And uh, if you did watch it again, you'd probably catch more because I caught more this time around than I did the previous time around. You know, there's lots of little things that are hiding in there that, if you're paying attention, it it pays off. Yeah. Now hearing that I, I missed that where they switched out the guy in the fight scene, I, I'm eager to watch it again actually nice yeah i mean i think for for a genre of comedy that has been melt so bad of that that parody type stuff i mean because like we've got the you know action movie parody and we've got um god what was the one what was that horrible parody of 300 Oh, yeah, this uh, is Sparta. Yeah, Meet the Spartans. Yeah, Meet the Spartans, that's what it was. Oh, yeah. my God. I was like, oh, wow, they parodied 300. I put that on. I it, it, Now, for the shit that we've watched for this show, my level of tolerance has gotten pretty good. Meet <laughs> the Spartans, I got five, maybe ten minutes into it. And I'm like, I do not have enough breath in my body to waste on this movie. Well, And that's the thing, is those kinds of meet the Spartans it follows that path that started with scary movie that I don't like. And this went a totally different direction, mm-hmm. which is I think one of the reasons why it worked for me so, so much. This wasn't like just a parody. It, it, it was, it was a comedy homage really. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other ones are more like a spoof, you know, cause this was done, like you said, with care, with love. I mean, there was a lot of attention to detail and there was a lot of, you know, and, and like there was a there was a lot of uh, attention to the detail. I mean, I, can't, I don't have any other way to say it than that. I mean, well, whoever did this really knew what they were doing. They 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 knew the subject very well. You had serious actors in in um, ludicrous kind of um, situations. Yeah, and, and you know that's where why Leslie Nielsen took off as a comedic actor is because here's a guy that's played serious roles his entire career. And you see him put in these ridiculous situations where he's playing it kind of straight and it works, you know, and this was to a different extreme, but that's, that's what made it work is because everybody was, you know, like they were in a real <laughs> action movie, but uh, everything in it was just completely over the top. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the scene of all the kids, oh all the God. kids in the orphanage all high and shit. <laughs> that was, you want me to get these bitches on the street and I'll get you your crack. It's just like, it's because they got no daddies and moms. I mean, it, it went to that ridiculousness of it. And there's so many little things that were in this. Like, at the when he, what does he drop her off at the house? When she's like, oh, I'm just going to go get myself something to eat. And he's like, oh, I'll just drive you down the street. And then they wind up, it's like, goes from middle of the night to middle of the day. Did you notice that one? No, I missed that. Yeah, right before they go to Roscoe's house of donuts and chili. That goes donuts from donuts and chili. Yeah, he goes. <laughs> Can I get some hot sauce for my donuts? Um, <laughs> it goes from like pit, uh, a pitch black night to middle of the day. That's funny. Um, I also like the scene where the two kids. They were talking to the two kids, and the one's like. My mama told my daddy's name was Black Dynamite, oh, yeah. and the other one's like, "Me too." And he he looks at the girl and he's like, "There's lots of people named Black Dynamite. <laughs> it's not a real common name. A lot of people named Black Dynamite." 
uh, it's just that kind of silly, silly one-liners that just uh, just get me. This this, this movie kind of reminded me it, the same kind of spirit as Kung Pao Enter the Fist, mm-hmm. but more of the homage rather than the spoof. Right, oh. and less slapstick. That was the yeah. thing. A lot of people love Kung Pao. I'm sort of lukewarm on it because slapstick is not my thing. Me either, really, but I love Kung Pao for some reason. You know what? We could do Kung Pao versus They Call Me Bruce. Oh. No, also. I like that. Yeah. Somebody write that down. <coughs> Joel, do that. Um, I signed Joel, too. Yeah. Joel, it is you've been nominated. Josh, you win on this. Joel's got to do it. He abstained. Does that mean I don't have to do it? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that, that's good then. I thought you were gonna say um, the uh, Eagles. <laughs> no, not Shaolin. What was the other one besides Shaolin Soccer? What was the one before that? Kung Fu Panda. Josh, help me out here. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> I do know what you're Kung talking Fu about. Hustle. I can't think of it. Either. Kung Fu Hustle. Yes, that's yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say Kung Fu Hustle versus they. Yeah, but Kung Fu Hustle is actually a, a a funny Kung Fu movie. It's not a parody, or is it? I'd no, I, I think Kung Pao is more of a a, a parody spoof kind of. But thing. those two both work perfectly because they're both yeah. overdubbed. I haven't seen they call me Bruce since I was a kid. We've we've kind of we've kind of lost the, traf- the, yeah. the traffic. Yeah, one of the things leading towards the end, I, I just loved also is how he keeps revealing there's another layer behind the conspiracy. Yeah, and they, another character, the, the main villain is somebody that's never even been mentioned the entire rest of the movie. And then even his strings are being pulled by Richard Nixon. <laughs> yep. Takes him all the way to the honky house. Jeez. And then yeah, how great but is then that you get fight? The helicopter. That guy did a good Nixon. And then Unchuck fight, and he kicks the shit Nixon out of him. Nixon versus Black Dynamite. That's a great fight. And he didn't rely on your typical uh, low-rent uh, Nixon tropes. Like, almost everybody who does a Nixon impression throws in an I am not a crook. Right. And I was impressed that he didn't do that. It was much more realistic somehow, you know, not doing the thing that he actually did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So have we uh, said all we've got to say about this? I think we do. Thumbs you want to do thumbs, thumbs up? Thumb? Yeah, thumbs. Yeah, Let's get our thumbs out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> thumb. Oh, damn it, it didn't work. I tried to make the popping sound. It didn't work. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> all right, for me, it's a big thumbs up for both. <clears throat> uh, I'm right there with you. I Like I said, I've seen the first one several times. I've seen this one a couple times, and I'm a fan of both. Pat? Um, I'm definitely a thumbs up on both, but it's not as high in the air as the two of, the two of yours, because it's definitely not a thumbs down on either. It's just... Well, you, know, you are older, so... Your thumbs up harder to get the yeah, thumb Yeah, I, I get it, I get it. Get that thumb up there. It's already up there. His flesh-colored baby pacifier. Let's <laughs> <laughs> put you out of your misery, Pat. <laughs> I'm going to give thumbs up and thumbs up on this one also. I enjoyed both of them. I mean, I, I, there were some moments in uh, Black Dynamite where I'm like, where are we going? But it did bring things back to center by the end of it. You know, there was, I guess, as much as a wrap-up as you were going to expect from and that there, movie. And there were lots of really nice boobies, so. 
there was lots of setups <laughs> to joke that happened early <laughs> on. <laughs> that doctor scene after he gets shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Black dynamite. What'd you, what'd you expect? You sent her in here with those titties. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. His, his, like, guy who wasn't a trained actor was straight out of the 70s. Yeah, he like, was awful. <laughs> he was seen that guy so many times. He was awful, but he was great at the same time. Yeah, yeah, he was awful as an actor, but that's what he was supposed to do, yeah. so that makes him great. Yes. All right, gentlemen, so what are we talking about next week? I have no idea. If you get caught between the moon and New York City. It is the Arthur show, not Arthur the Aardvark. <laughs> Arthur, the Dudley Moore movie remade uh, by Russell Brand. 1981 and 2011. Oh, yeah. I, I'm so excited about this. This is one of my favorite comedies, the original one. If you have anything to say about uh, Black Dynamite or I'm Gonna Get You Sucker or anything we talk about really on this show, you can always let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep, and uh, like we said before, iTunes, Blu-ray, Stitcher, TalkShoe, and all those places. You can find us on Spotify and iHeartRadio. Put us in your queue, and then uh, when new shows pop up, you can just listen to us. Suddenly, we'll be a surprise. You'll be like, it's them again. Leave us a review on Podchaser. We love to be uh, featured on the front page. Yeah, let us know. So, uh, but yeah, that's uh, we love doing this. And um, after, I, I won't lie, we're running out of ideas. Oh come on! No, we're not running out of. We're, we're not. We're running low, but we're not. We're running, running low, but we 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 could use a hand. Let us know some ideas. Let us know. Hey, we want to do stuff about Pat's underwear choices over the years. I don't know. What? No, let's not do that. I've no, no. but, but the, there's you know, nothing the, for the now. <laughs> there's nothing for the then either. Oh, good point. <laughs> they don't know that. It's like the mime show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will be back next week with uh, a little bit of Arthur action, and thank you for listening. Chicks dig me because I rarely wear underwear, and what I do, it's usually something exotic. Five, four, three. Uh, hey, uh, since we stopped for the other one, we might as well stop for Roger Moore just died. Wait, what? The Roger fuck? Moore just died. He wasn't like, while dead. you were talking. Yeah, like right now, like it just got reported. What? Checking this out too. Dies at eighty-nine. Yep. And was this posted? When was this posted? May 23rd, 2017. Oh, is that old? <laughs> I don't know. 